Matt. We're an interracial couple with two kids wanting to do something that highlights the power of friendship and what it means to be in the company of true friends. We're going to move our society away and out of the loneliness epidemic and into a friendlier, happier world. Welcome to our friendly world. Better, stronger, together. introduction for today. Everyone, I'd like to introduce you to our new friend, Barry Lane. You can find Barry Lane at forcefieldforgood.com where he sings and teaches kindness. And that is the subject for today. Barry is an amazing writer, musician, publisher, amazing human being. We're so fortunate to have become friends with him. Welcome to our friendly world, Barry. Welcome. <laughs> oh, thank you. It's so great to be here. I feel right at home. <laughs> you are at home. You're literally in our <laughs> home in our kitchen, virtually. And yet, ironically, you're in your home. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so 
happy you're here. I wanted to talk about kindness today. And I looked up the roots of what kindness is. I have some definitions that I found. So check this out. Kindness. It's from the old English word. How would you pronounce that, Matt? Jeekind? Jeekind? It's G-E-C-Y-N-D. means kind, nature, race, related to kin, family. It's from the Proto-Germanic Kundas. Is that how I would pronounce that, Matt? What do you think? Which means family, race. From Pi root, gen, gene. I'm sorry, guys. I can't pronounce things. English is not my first language either. <laughs> Give birth, <laughs> beget, with derivatives referring to procreation and familial and tribal groups. Here's the other definition. It comes from the old, this is the etymology of kindness. It comes from the old English and is constructed from the adjective kind and the suffix ness. Kind comes from the Middle English kind, old English. How do you pronounce that? It I looks would like genocide. Gkind. <laughs> it meant, it meant friendly, well disposed tender ness is a noun suffix middle english ness and is used to denote a quality or state when attached to an adjective right so originally kindness the old english meant nation however the meaning evolved during the 14th century to mean noble deeds courtesy quality or habit of being kind it's interesting it said nation right yes don't we need that as a nation well, I think as just a citizen of the world, we need it. Exactly. Thank you. That's what, really what I meant. Barry, thank you, because you are the leader of kindness. You are the ambassador of love and kindness. We're so happy you're here. Thank you. Where I'm do so we delighted even, to be here. I'm honored. Uh, thank you. Where do we even start? Matt, where... I know. Let's. I'm sorry. I have a nugget. Now it's not going to sound. Go. It's not going to sound very kind, but bear with me. <laughs> Back in Santa Monica, nugget nugget of wisdom from Santa Monica. Back in Santa Monica days, I was a struggling artist. I had gotten off of a corporate job, as you all know. I've t I talk about it all the time, and I was burnt out, so I started to serve coffee, <laughs> and I lived for every dollar. Unfortunately, like. I didn't have much money, so every dollar I made definitely went towards paying the bills. I had no health insurance, none of that. I had a car, I had car insurance, and on a good week, my budget would allow me $20 of food a week, right? Like, I had $20 to spend on food. But all the coffee you could drink, right? Um, yeah, but I was not a coffee drinker. I still am not. It, like, one sip will make me disapper. <laughs> but... So one day, you know, Santa Monica's beautiful, so everyone's trying to film there. One day out of the blue, our shift was, our shift at the coffee shop was gone. We're like, what's happening? We're not working today? No one warned us that there would be a commercial photo shoot happening in the cafe. And so not only that, but the film crew came in and they towed all our cars um, uh -oh. now they had put signs up saying, Hey, we're going to shoot, but we didn't know where they were going to shoot. But you know, when they leave a sign there, you're not allowed to park there between those hours and the mm -hmm. days they say, 
but there was no sign where I parked my car. I can't believe I'm talking about this all over again. Here we go. So what happened was they started shooting and it was directly underneath me. So my studio was directly on top of the coffee shop where they were doing the commercial shoot. And, you know, it's hardwood floors. And remember, I told you guys I can talk through the pipes to my neighbors. Right. So you hear everything. Right. And so best believe they needed me to be quiet. Right. Uh oh. So what happened was I'm like, OK, I guess I'm not working today, which is a bummer because I really needed the 50 bucks I was going to make that day. And including that was including the tip. And so I walked to my car. My car is not there. Like, where is my car? I started to get panicky. Like, someone stole my car. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember how, but I figured out they towed my car. So I walk all the way to City Hall, which is down the street on Main Street, Mm -hmm. which is a walk, right? Especially when you're nervous and you don't know and you're just trying to run. I figured out they they had, in fact, towed my car. I, I talked to the towing company. I don't know how I figured that out, but I go to City Hall. I'm like, they towed my car. There was no sign, nothing. So they looked it up and they're like, and this is how like a tight knit community it was. They're like, Fawn, they're in the wrong. You, They did not, your spot was not, they're actually, they can get in big trouble. Your spot was not designated for towing. It was not. So you're in the right. So I go back to my studio and they're shooting and every time they said rolling I would make a bunch of noise I was fuming I was so mad I was so angry I would stomp the floor I would hang out my window and there's the whole crew down there you know with all the mics and all everything that they have all their gear and they would just ignore me but they would have to start again because I made noise right, right. I you, ruined their take, their take yeah. I wrecked every take I could and my friends started showing up because I was yelling so much. <laughs> and they were used to me always being very kind. Right. Right. I was always mellow and laughing and we played together all the time. They never saw me lose my temper until that day. And one of my friends later said <laughs> he's he literally could. And he was not. I mean, he was Catholic, so he was spiritual, but he was not like me, like woo woo spiritual. You know, like seeing auras and everything. He's like, Vaughn, I saw red all around you, like for real, from the street. I saw red around you. I'm like, yeah, you best believe I was angry. (laughs) And so I was like telling the director, you better pay for my toe. I'm not paying $350. And that's, I can't, I can't, I don't have the money. And so all day this went on and the one of the managers of the building that I was friends with, he comes and he's like, Fawn, stop. I'm like, no, you stop. I want the, I need, (laughs) this is ridiculous. So this went on for hours until all of a sudden there are three people who show up in my studio and it was the, um, the assistants, the, the people Mm -hmm. who, who helped bring the coffees and you know, the production assistants. Right. They showed up with a wad of cash and the most sincere look on their faces. Like, and they said, we're so sorry for the behavior of our um, producer or director. We're really sorry. Please take this money. And I said, thank you. (laughs) 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 What does that have to do with kindness? Honestly, sometimes we all need a little help. 
you know i try to walk my talk but i am human and i can lose it if i'm in pain i don't have the capacity to be kind to you when you've harmed me and it's so great when we can give each other some slack so if you see someone in pain and perhaps you have less pain than they do maybe you can step up and help them out with with something that you can if you look you know they clearly need so anyway pearl of wisdom from santa monica long about windy story i hope that helps (laughs) (laughs) i hope you all don't think less of me but i can lose my temper there you go okay i'm done okay can i can i tell a quick story go ahead okay so literally one of my favorite things to do or was i suppose was to go out for coffee and honestly i'm very rude when i get coffee i'm not very kind you're a pointer you're a close pointer i'm a close pointer and then i say stuff like um gimme gimme yes (laughs) give me a blah 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 it's you know super grande blah 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 and every single time my wife smacks me just a little bit and says honey come on be kind i'm like put your don't touch that you're too close to that donut <laughs> like he'll put his finger all the way almost like he's gonna touch it and as a germaphobe even before the pandemic i've always been like hey this food shouldn't be out like it's in the, the it's in the air like i don't like <laughs> things need to be put away and when people point and get they get really close to something it really freaks me out and you know, traveling around the planet, you can always tell who the Americans are. You can always tell us. Like, we, we're, like, it's just, they'll, they don't say please and thank you, or may I, may I have, it's not your donut yet. Give you know, me. you have, until you pay for it, it's, and it's in your hand, it's not yours. And you don't say gimme. Oh my God. I know, and honestly, that's one of the, that's one of the million things that I'm working on. Okay, that's it. <laughs> and actually, there's there's a coffee place, was a coffee place, where they actually recognized me. They could never remember my name, but they always recognized me because I was so nice. Really? Yes. Good job, honey. I try. <laughs> but anyways, we're ignoring our guest, darling. I'm sorry. We're rude. <laughs> oh, I'm enjoying the conversation. <laughs> thinking about things. Yeah. Do you have any stories of uh, uh, kindness or unkindness, as the case may be, Barry? Well, I'm just, I think this, this last week, um, I had a situation. I, I, I've been delivering pies now. It's the first job I've had in 30 years. I actually worked for myself. And uh, it's really fun to be part of the workforce again. But, and I go to supermarkets. And supermarkets can be very, um, they look all shiny and nice in the front. But in the back, they're like little dungeons. <laughs> <laughs> and people work in there I, and I have all these I should, I'm, should, I'm going to write I'm the pie guy I call myself the pie guy you know like I am the walrus nice. <laughs> I show up at these supermarkets with these pies and um, the best supermarkets are the independently owned ones because you just walk in and say hey how you doing here's your pies oh great we're waiting for them we love your pies and they sign the thing but the fancy supermarkets the ones that are owned by corporations then they have these little guns and they have to beep in every pie and there's people called receivers and they can be it's a very difficult job because you imagine like three or four pallets of pepsi coming in and 
all these liquor bottles and and then this guy comes in with three pies and you have to stop what you're doing and go to him and it's a very <laughs> difficult job and I can think of one situation where there was this woman and I had talked to her her name was Patty I had talked to her like a month or two ago just briefly and she had told me she was going to have an operation on her knees and you know how the cart when you get old the cartilage sometimes goes in your knees and creates this great pain it's like bone mm -hmm. on bone and she to have a job in the dungeon doing that where you have to walk to the door to let that's the other thing they don't just have a door that you can walk in a lot of times they have to be locked all the time so it's like right. the portcullis has to raise for the guy to come in with the wonder bread you know you know? <laughs> right and it's it's like um and so she has to walk all the way over and back and you know and we were a dude i got there and it's a grind sometimes i love the job i just listen to books all day and, and but i try to stop and connect and then i thought i should be connecting with people i just had that thought that little thought in your mind and i mm -hmm. remembered she had told me like weeks ago just in passing that it, it was hard for her to get to the door because of her knees and so i said patty how when's the operation happening <laughs> and just like that and i think she she started almost crying and talked to me for about a half an hour you know about this and i just listened to her. i didn't say much I just listened and nodded and uh, mm -hmm. and i realized that day that that was the work of that i thought i thought i was a pie man but i was really something else you know and i think that many of us have jobs like that we're not the job that you're doing is not the real job of our place here on earth uh, it's a job of um that's like the uh, the surface you know underneath right. are these things and so many times i can think of moments like that but it takes a little bit of pausing to, mm -hmm. to get there and and focusing out on them and not yourself yeah yeah, no, no, no. That's definitely one of the things I've discovered is if you actually pay attention to what people tell you, they're so grateful. And if you actually then retain that information and make a comment about it later, like it can be as simple as remembering someone's birthday or making a promise to somebody that you're going to connect with them on such and such a date and doing it. It's about showing that you're willing to go to the next level. You're not just being there on the surface. You're 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 paying attention you're connecting you're well you're attempting to connect to someone in the good way much as like aikido because we were talking about aikido earlier um mm -hmm. much as aikido teaches us that a punch is a communication so is listening and communicating that that's what you're doing and it happens it's rare that it happens and that's how matt and i became friends and i short after that totally fell in love with him because he was the only one that heard me. I feel like I I was going through life and no one heard me. No one listened to what I was saying. But Matt got every word and the meaning of what I was saying. And that was love right there. You know what I mean? Beyond beyond the physical, it was that was the number one. That was the number one. And it was I think it, yeah. I think it becomes a habit too. Uh, if you do it once, it's like pay it forward. You do it once. You know, this happens to me a lot. Like, even it happens to me at toll booths where you get to the toll booth and said the person in front of you paid for you. Mm -hmm. And they're like, whoa. <laughs> you want to like catch up with them to, to like say thank you, whatever. Right. But it happened to me in Starbucks. 
get this, I was driving, I don't even know how she did it, because don't you have to know what they're getting? But I think she asked what the guy behind her was getting. And, uh, you know, I have a friend named Tom, and he's really fun to travel with. Tom Jen, I can say his last name because he'd love me to, to immortalize him in this podcast. But say his name again. Lives, What's his last name? Tom Jenick, and he lives in Philadelphia now. He's Quaker, and he he did a lot of work in the Quaker retreat there in Pendle Hill, and he um, used to be the guy that cleaned the rooms and made the coffee and that kind of thing. And um, so he and I, I took him on the road. I, did these, I used to do these seminars on teaching writing, and I took him on the road with me, and we... And we just, well, it was really fun because we're old friends, like 30, 40 year old friends of uh, friendship. But he would go, he'd be in a hotel with Tom and he'd stop. Someone would be vacuuming and he'd say, he'd walk up to him and say, Stop, could you turn off the vacuum for a second? And to turn off the vacuum, kind of annoyed. And, he, and he'd look him right in the eye and said, You know, I just want to tell you, you're doing an amazing job here. You know, I've done this kind of work and no one ever, they just complain when something's wrong, but no one ever gets to tell you. So I don't want to tell you. And people would weep, literally yes. weep, uh, when this happened. And and what a great, you know, so when you're traveling with Tom, you're not doing seminars. You're doing, it's like a ministry, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like a ministry. Yeah, I've absolutely known people like that. Yeah, they're, they're not a traditional kind of holy man or mentor or, but, you know, just the way they live is very is humbles you a lot and teaches you a lot and you know what i think is the other side of it when you catch yourself maybe looking at the trifle of what is happening like you notice something in this person and then you may think to yourself oh well i I don't know if if it's a real thing what I just picked up because it could happen in a split second. It's like a psychic thing and most people don't believe they're psychic. I think we're all interconnected and we're all intuitive and then we're all picking up each other's feelings, emotions. And there are scientists who have been recording all this to prove that we are in fact totally connected by the heart, by the electromagnetic field of the earth, the heart. Our hearts are connected. So there's that, but most people don't believe that. But what I'm saying is when you see someone and you see a little twinkle or a non-twinkle in their eye and you act on that thinking, oh, if I act on that, I'm just making it up. Like, I can't believe this is for real, like whatever I may have picked up. But if you do act on that and leave that aside, the surprise of having the person become so emotional and so grateful for the fact that you picked up on whatever that trifle was, when that happens, it's addictive. So you want to do it to everybody else. Do you know what I mean, Matt? Do you know what I mean, Barry? Like you catch something and someone gets emotional like that. So you want to do it again. And that's kindness. That is, that's what can really transform the world. If we all played like that. Yeah, no, 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 absolutely. And I can see that as an evolutionary trait almost, because if you do a solid for someone in your quote unquote tribe, you know, you give them food when they're hungry, you, you uh, give them medicine when they're sick, you know, that's going to increase your survivability as well, because then they're going to be able to take care of you when, you know, and they're going to have a desire to do this when you're not yeah. at your best. 
There's actually a study that was done at Harvard. I, I use this with kids sometimes. I, I, have, I have a story. This is kind of a very trivial story, but you know how you're in the line at the checkout at the grocery store, and you've got you know a, a wagon of things, and there's somebody by you with like a, just a carton of milk or even just a couple of things, and and you say you know oh you go first, and I, and, I, and it's grocery stores. They also have chocolate at the checkout as impulse buys for people. And, and there's research that rats will forsake uh, chocolate to save a drowning rat, which I hate the idea of this experiment, how they do it or whatever. But but the idea is that evolutionarily, they, they're, they're hardwired to save, to, to be kind to each other. And the same part of your brain that likes chocolate, that lights up when you eat chocolate, also lights up when you do a solid for someone like that, like that. <laughs> so I'd say the kids will go you know you can go first you know I'm getting my chocolate <laughs> you know, in a way it, mm-hmm. it's weird but it's like uh, you know and and this woman went you're so kind I said yeah I guess I am you know <laughs> you just get that kind of that wash of feeling of yeah this is why we're here you know why else are we here I mean what's the what's the definition of insanity is somebody that can't connect with anybody but the, the demons in their mind, you know. Um, so how do you um, escape that? You focus on others. Uh, I had a friend who was feeling suicidal and depressed, and he got some advice. I forget from who, but they said that the best thing you can do is just spend your time doing stuff, volunteering and doing stuff for other people. So he started to go to a nursing home and reading mm-hmm. poetry reading to people and totally changed his outlook uh, on life you know he probably still took some of the antidepressant drugs but it just helped him to recenter i hear that and i've definitely been in situations where i felt like there's no hope and i recall like one of the last times i was feeling this way it it shook me to I felt shattered. Like it shook me so much that I, I shattered everything that was about me. Like I I've talked about this before. Like Matt and I used to have a household that was zero waste. We were very gentle with the earth. We, we were very careful about how we walked. And when things got really bad for us and we felt like we, we didn't have anyone helping us out at all. I was not in the state to help anyone else out. So like, if you're so low, you can't even muster up the energy to go help someone else. If you're feeling like that, that's I've been in that state, so I can't imagine saying, okay, I'm just going to go help someone else out when you're in dire need of emotional or kind help. Mm-hmm. I remember lashing out and i lashed out at the earth i remember so we didn't we we had lost our home it was like after 2010 matt doesn't like to talk about this i'm really sorry honey i won't talk about it too much i'll just say it was a really bad time and i remember we had to go to the store to buy food and of course we didn't have a place to cook anything so we had to buy packaged food which normally we would have never done because it has plastic. It has all this stuff that I didn't believe in using, but I remember getting it 
And I remember, for me, this was like pretty defiant. <laughs> Might not sound <laughs> like that to anyone else, but I remember feeding the kids and we had food and I was looking at the containers of plastic that were non-recyclable or even recyclable. And I was so angry that I just threw it in the trash and I, w I was just cursing everything. Like I just threw it in the trash and well, thought if no one is helping us out, why am I even bothering? And I threw it in the trash and it took, it took a while to come back to center for myself and like go back to the kindness. Right. But like, Barry, what do you do when you don't, you can't even muster up the energy to go help someone else when you're so down? Well, one of the things that I do when I talk to kids about this is that it's really hard to know your higher self or to act, to be kind when somebody's being mean to you. That's like the gold standard of Christianity or any religion, really, is turning the other cheek. It's not even just turning the other cheek. It's actually, you know, uh, maybe it's more about um, not taking someone's energy, but the Aikido thing where you take the energy of the world coming at you and, and doing something with it so that it doesn't uh, escalate the conflict or whatever it is, the internal conflict or the external conflict. So one of the things I talk to kids about is to do that, you have to be able to find your happy place, that part inside your brain where you can just take a deep breath. And kids are very wise about this. Even when they haven't had mindfulness training, they'll say things like, you have to take a deep breath, you know, where you have to be able to punch a pillow or do something. You need to find, take care of that part of yourself so you can find your happy place. So it's a song I wrote. It goes like this. When you're feeling sad, getting scared and mad, there's a place you can be free. You can get there in a moment if you only turn the key. So just close your eyes and forget the lies. Change the story that you tell. Let your anger cease and you'll find the peace down inside your kindness well. Find your happy place deep within your mind. Life is not a race. Everyone is kind. Stay there for a while. Grow a rainbow smile. You are not alone. When the world gets mean or you feel unseen, think of everyone you love. They're standing there beside you. They glow in the stars above. So you just close, <clears throat> just breathe in and out. You don't need to shout when you know that you're okay. Shine a loving light, try to end the fight. So the night become the day. Find your happy place deep within your mind. Life is not a race everyone is kind stay there for a while grow a rainbow smile you are not alone and when it when it gets oh, sorry when it when it gets so hard all you can ask is why be strong and drop your guard be brave enough and try 
find your happy place deep within your mind. Life is not a race. Everyone is kind. Stay there for a while. Love a rainbow smile. You are not alone. You are not alone. Thank you. You know, it's, um, I have so much to say about that. I'm sure you do too, but I'm going to just jump in there, Matt. We are not alone and I did feel alone. And when you're feeling alone, you feel like you are alone, but it is a lie because we're not because we are, it reminds me of your shirt, Sperry. You have a shirt that you wear and it says all one. And then if you, and you said this on one of your TEDx talks, and then when we were when we met for the first time on Zoom, you were w- wearing one of those shirts, and it did the same thing. Like when you're in a certain position, the 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 shirt creases in a way where it says alone, <laughs> and then when you yeah. put your shoulders back, it says all one. Like it happened when we were on Zoom the other night. Wow, it's yeah. so funny because really you're not alone because we are all one. So I like the trick that your shirt plays on people. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, or I talk to kids about this. We talk about it. You know, the difference. What I usually do is a role play uh, where a student's having a bad day, kind of like you were have, describing before, where you just, you know, I'm going to buy the packaged. We're going to eat cold cuts in plastic today, <laughs> and throw it out in the garbage and not recycle or whatever right. it is. You know, just kind of a uh, yeah, like just why feeling, bother? Yeah, why bother? And. And so you walk up to your friend. It's kin- I usually get a kindergartner to come up. But w- back in the days before COVID, I had these great super spreader events where I had everybody, 600 kids holding hands. And, you know, it was like a great thing. And, wait, but, wait, little- wait, wait, pause, But he pause. said very much before the days of COVID. Wait, hold on, hold on. Barry, before, be- please hold your thought because I forgot to mention, guys, this is what Barry does. He travels around, well, before COVID, but even he's doing it on Zoom now. But he travels around to schools and spreads the message of kindness to children. Go on his website, Force Field for Good, and he talks about the force field and interconnecting and how we're all one. But it's really amazing the work he does and the songs you sing. It's all on your website. Anyway, so this is what he does with kids. He goes to schools and they talk and teach and sing. And it's all kindness related. Okay, I'm sorry to interrupt. Go on, Barry. Sorry. Well, that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of schools, when they try to teach kindness, they kind of try to teach it in a very almost totalitarian way. <laughs> like, that, well, that's what yeah, schools do. Yeah. Not hitting. In fact, anti-bullying is a great example. So I say, what's kindness? Not hitting. <laughs> Not bullying. What's bullying? Well, you know, and then what happens with anti-bullying is everyone just keeps pointing fingers. Oh, you're a bully. No, he's bullying me. And, and it becomes not self-reflective, but like almost like a blame culture. Uh, and uh, so one of the things I try to teach to kids, is, so we do this little role play. So Amber comes up and she's got this kind of, um, she's having a bad day. We all pretend we cross our arms across our chest and we scrunch up our face. And when we talk about there's 43 muscles 
in your face that have to work in order to frown, but only 16 to smile. Some of the research on that's a little, <laughs> uh, sometimes goes back and forth, but roughly about that, that number. And so we practice going, and then I have this drawing uh, of, of all the children around the earth holding hands and my daughter Gracie drew. And uh, we talk about that, where you hold your arms out, connect with each other, and hold hands. It's like, ah. So you go, ah. <laughs> and we practice doing that. So, so Amber says, I, she's having a bad day. I walk up to her and say, hey, Amber, how you doing? How's it going? And she looks at me. And because she's having a bad day, not because she's a bully or a mean person or whatever, anything, just because she's no, not feeling well, she looks at She says, I don't like your shoes. You know, she says something that just a judgment or something and and then I turn to the 600 kids that are sitting there and I say what what can I say back to her when she says that to me because I you know immediately I kind of act like like you're being injured you know because that's the moment that's the moment we've been talking about the moment where somebody is you know happened to me the other day in the supermarket this truck driver came in I was on the phone talking about the guy to fix my snowblower while I was going delivering pies, and this guy comes and says, "Where's the pie guy?" And he walks in and, he, and he's got this hat on, and, and I go, and for some reason I say to him, "Oh, do you like our pies?" And he says, "You're parked your van where the truck needs to go." I, I'm stuck, and he's a guy from Boston, and he's he's really being rude to me, and like uh, you know, he's like really angry, but he won't look at me, you know. Mm-hmm. And as we're walking back out, and I'm going to move the van right away, I, I, I did the Aikido thing where I just said, oh, yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. And, and, walk out, and he turned to me and says, you know, I don't like your pies either. <laughs> but, you know, the, the thing about meanness is it, <laughs> it was harder for him to muster up. He, he had to say something else, but he couldn't think of anything else. So he had to, you know, right. it was like it, it was like a moment <laughs> where anyway, so. So then I turn to the group of kids and I'll say, you know, what do I say back to her? And in in some cultures, it's interesting. These little tiny rural schools like in Wyoming, sometimes kids know it because they've got grandmothers and they've got a culture of it. But usually they'll say things like, you could say, I don't like your shoes either. Or they'll say say things like, um, you could say, oh, I like your shoes. And I said, but let me say to the kids, what if I were to ask her a question? And that's the the moment I'm looking for. And, and if it's a good moment, there's usually a pause there. And then somebody will put their hand up. And I can tell just by the look in their eye that they have the answer, the question to that. And they'll say, well, why did you say that? Which is the simplest non-judgment question really it's not like why did you just why did you say that to me and at that point little amber can say i'm having a bad day (laughs) right and then the whole class can say and that's what i do with the 600 kids i'm sorry you're having a bad day and at that moment there's connection there's like Mm -hmm. there's there's contact and um and to me what the problem with punishing kids for not being kind or even rewarding kids for being kind which which to me, that's kind of absurd in a way. You get a pencil because, you know, you were kind this week, you know. It, it, kindness is its own reward, and it, it, it cheapens it almost. It makes it like, it's like I don't need the chocolate if I'm in the checkout line at the supermarket. You know, I, 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 all I need is the kindness. I don't need the chocolate. That's like too rich. <laughs> 
but yeah. it, but that's that's kind of one idea. One gets to be able to practice kindness and not feel like they're failures because they bought something that they threw and they threw they didn't recycle or whatever it is, whatever that uh, bar of perfection that we set for ourselves. And one of the problems with schools today, I can go on and on, but this is be a whole podcast, is that they try to make determination into a virtue you know there you know or, or that somehow you have to be this ubermensch this perfect person to be you know successful in life and uh, they have quotes from like wayne gretzky you know you get you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take you know you know like what if why don't you share the puck once in a while wayne you know you know, there are things, there are different ways of looking at those quotes. You know, mm-hmm. Babe Ruth, you know, you can't lose if you never give up. Maybe it's good to give up, especially if you're doing something that's not good, you know, for people you know, or hurt, hurtful to people in the world. And, and so, you know, there's kind of a, a human dignity and integrity that um, I think we need to teach along with kindness. The why, not just the what of kindness, the why of kindness is... Uh, yeah, no, no, no. I, I totally agree. Something my wife says is hurt people hurt. And in your earlier example with Amber and the role playing, you know, from an Aikido point of view, she's got so much, let's call it red energy after, you know, auras, but very angry energy and asking a question, all of a sudden you're engaging a different part of their brain that you're not engaging that I'm mad at everything kind of phase. You're, you're, you're getting into maybe a higher brain function of, huh, if you can get there. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes people are seeing red and they've got the wall up, but as soon as you break them into a I'm going to deal with you almost like a parent. We talked about how to be a good host, how to be a parent. And, you know, you're almost teaching the child to be that nurturing force, you know, in that, in that, well, why are you being so mean? Why are you making comments about my shoes? They're not, you're not, you know, it's like, it's like you're not admitting weakness. You're not admitting that your shoes are, are ugly. What you're, what you're getting to is, explain this to me i want to know what you're thinking and all of a sudden now on some level that kindness is validating that person as a person because sometimes when we're so angry we feel ignored we feel disrespected we feel all these kind of dis and un and all sorts of things discarded like trash and somebody is saying hey i see you hey i see you over there and i want to connect with you yeah. Even if you're giving me all this like static and all this, oh, I still want to connect with you. You know, one of my one of my core mm. fundamental beliefs is that everybody has an interesting story, and you know, I like digging for that. And so, even if someone is mean to me, I still want to find out what that interesting story is they have to tell. And I don't care how you know how on the surface boring or how different someone is from me. You know, they have that story. You know, I've got those stories, but. Everybody has that story where you're just like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Barry, were you going to say something? In my other life before COVID, I did a lot of uh, plane travel, you know. I don't know if you've ever been in an airport and seen scenes where businessmen get angry at the gate attendant because it's snowing, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Like like the the United Airlines seeded the clouds (laughs) to create. It's like... So there's this guy, and it was in New Jersey, and he was like really being 
a bully, you know, he, and he made one of the gate attendants cry and he, Aww. they got the supervisor gate attendant to come over and she also just tried to appease him and he, with, but no eye contact, just kind of looking away, just trying to say, well, I can't do anything about the weather, sir. Oh, of course, we get on this little tiny plane and he's sitting right next to me. Oh. <laughs> Like gold chains on, he's like me talking to me. I can't believe this airline. You know, I'm not going to get to Cleveland. You know, in time for my meeting or whatever. And we're talking, and finally, he, he like grabs the the flight attendant. He literally reached for her and to grab to to, to and she kind of looked at him, and she looked at him in the eye, and he starts to give his spiel, whatever you know about how you know the world is not cooperating with his plans, basically, and she. Bless her heart. She, what she does is she gets down to his level. She literally kneels down, puts her hand on his hand, looks him right in the eye and says, it's going to be okay. And he just melted. It was amazing. He just like turned to, to melted butter. He just, and it was like, all he wanted was his mommy. Oh my God. <laughs> Barry, that's what we talk about all the time. When you get into situations like that, no matter what, you have to become a parental figure because that's what everyone needs. And that's why that's the big reason. One of the big reasons I wanted you to talk with us today, because it's not just for children. We're all children. We all need that. And most of us have not had that from parents. And we need to constantly parent each other. What's the word for? No, no, no. Absolutely. We constantly need to empathize. I mean, it's all these kinds of words like empathize and, um, you know, uh, parent our our, our friends, care, show that we care. Right. I mean, a simple glance, a simple kind, not stare. What's the opposite of stare? You know, when you look at someone with kind, soft eyes, that's enough sometimes, most of the time. Right. Well, you see, now, I don't know if our audience knows this, but my hair is long now. It used to be super long. Well, it used to be super, super long. It used to be super long, and I would walk around in my, you know, my heavy metal t-shirts and whatever. And anytime I saw another guy with long hair, we <laughs> just always, there's, there's, the, there's a hey. There's, there's a that, There's that lift of the eyes, uh, and there's that acknowledgement that, hey, I see you. <laughs> and what's so funny is... We became friends with this other couple <laughs> due to that, you know, because we kept, I kept seeing him and I kept saying, hey, what's up? You know, just hey. You know what's interesting, honey? Like, any, when I was little, like four or five years old, there were not very many people like us in the neighborhood. And I could spot another Middle Eastern person from a mile away. Yes, of course. And I would start yelling, Salam! Aww. Like from far away, and my parents would kind of panic because you know, um, immigrants were not totally liked. So like, please don't cause attention to come at us more than we normally get. Right. But I would yell salam, and I could see this trepidation <laughs> on the other person's <laughs> body. Like they were far enough where I couldn't really see their faces, but I knew they were Persian, mm-hmm. right? And I could see that they were shocked. Like, oh my god, what do I? How do I respond to this? And as we got closer, there would be this smile. But you know what I mean? I forgot what I was saying. But anyway, that was my introduction. Well, no, the, the it's, nod, it's like, that to whole the acknowledging hair. that people exist. It's, you know, and it, it's the whole 
you remember on uh, on Bainbridge how people would just jam in the door before you. Oh my God, what is going on? Okay, so we lived in this area. I think we talk about this. I talk about this on our show. We talked about this on the mentor show, the very very first show when we started to notice something is happening to our society on a rapid scale. Like time is moving much faster and the anger is bubbling and the unkindness seems to be on on the uptick. Wherever we went, we would open the door and you know there was someone right behind us so we would hold the door open for them and let them go in first. And they would not even look at us and assume that all day, every day, that was our job is to open the door for them and let them go ahead of us. And it would make me so angry. And I became very unkind because then I would follow them into the coffee shop. And I started like a mad person. Like, we, you know, some of our friends in Santa Monica, right, that mm-hmm. needed help. I became one of them because I started just out loud saying, I do not understand you people. What I'm not here to open the door for you. And I don't know. What would I say? Like I would go on a, I would go on a tirade about, uh, you would, you would be like, it wouldn't be nice if people said thank you and, right. and all the rest of it. But <laughs> I, I tried I, to I, scold I, them, but I they didn't we even just identified something between you and me. I look at guys in the, I would look at, you know, gentlemen with long hair and I would nod. It was always eye contact. This guy wouldn't look at you. And exactly, and, and the same thing with the plane. You know, he wasn't he wasn't looking at the uh, he wasn't looking at the uh, yeah the people the people, gate people. Me, it's the wall. When you think about it, it's the wall. People to maintain hate, you need the wall. Um, you need to be able to to not see them not as people. see the other person. Yeah. And you know what else it is? My personal theory is when you connect eyes, you see each other's souls. You see far beyond what is there and like let's say you're walking down the street and there's a homeless person in trouble and they're asking for money very rarely do people have eye contact with the people on the sidewalk that are sitting down in dire need why is that if we have eye contact we connect immediately and they don't want that connection that connection seems very scary it can lead you to an unknown area of trauma right. that you don't want to revisit right the the glance is a very interesting profound it is. healing mechanism it is but it doesn't always have to be the glance because um uh, i remember in santa monica i had somebody you know who was who who needed money and he asked me a question he didn't say hey can you can you give me money he asked me a question that made me stop and that made me connect are you talking about our friend or somebody else? No, this is a totally different one. What, do you, what did he ask you? <sighs> See, I don't remember. It was a silly, it was like this word trick. And he was like, I can tell you the, the day you were born or something. I don't remember. It was just, it was bizarre. But it was my birthday that week. And so it was very confusing to me and it was confusing to him. And But anyways, but that's just it. As soon as he took it away from, I guess, the norm, which is let me, you know, let me put up my wall. Let me just ignore you. Let me just treat you the way that I guess is maybe societally okay. It's it's okay for me to ignore somebody opening the door for me because if I'm kind, then, you know, I can't get my coffee and leave this place in two minutes or yeah. I can't make my meeting or I can't or I can't or I can't. And there's so much of this can't as opposed to, you know, really looking at um, 
you know, every interaction with people as, as an event, as a celebration, as a, yeah. as a something bigger. Yeah. I had an experience back in 1998 that was really kind of life changing. I, I, um, I got to go to South Africa with, um, a delegation of teachers to do workshops for teachers uh, on writing and Google too in Cape Town, which is uh, as part of the Amy Beale Foundation, which is a story in itself. This, uh, Amy Beale was a graduate student who was murdered uh, in a tragic race riot. Uh, she was from the U.S. She went to Stanford, I think, and uh, whatever. And, but the the her parents, when she died, when she was killed, instead of they were wealthy. Californian people, instead of um, being angry and just showing rage, they actually continued her work. They went over there and asked the question, why did this happen and how can we help? Mm-hmm. And which was in itself, they weren't Christian or even religious people, but they just asked those questions out of pure like humanity, whatever. And, uh, and they founded this foundation. It's a long story about it, but to make a long story short, I'd gone over there and done a workshop for two weeks in a very white enclave and they take all these people out of the slums and the kind of the worst places and they got to stay at this luxury resort and we did these workshops on um on teaching mm-hmm. um in a better way i should put it that way cooperative way um as, as opposed to having kids in rows and desks and so forth and looking at one teacher uh but to learning to work together and that kind of thing and um but after the workshop, I was on this sort of level. A lot of things happened. I won't go into it, but I was on this level where when I saw somebody else's pain, I felt it it was mine. It was weird. It was a weird kind of feeling. I gave away all my clothes, all my underwear, everything, and they just gave away everything to the people that were working at the resort. And then when we came back, we were on this little van, and the wonderful teachers with me, but they were going to do some shopping in the market there, which is okay. But I could not walk past this woman and this little girl. She had a styrofoam cup. She was chewing on the edge of the cup and a baby, this woman holding a baby. So I said, you know what? Come on in with me. We'll have lunch at the Holiday Inn. So we came in. Uh, I invited them in and uh, I bought them lunch and we just talked for mm-hmm. an hour or so. And uh, she told me the story how her husband had died uh, and just uh, uh, on a train, there was all these accidents. What, what, what happened in Google too is they had slums. If you go up above the city, you can see where all the people are living, but there's hardly any electricity, and everyone has to go into town to make money. So it was very uh, difficult uh, life for people. And her husband had many people die in auto accidents, just cramming into these little Volkswagen vans, going back and forth, and. Uh, and she had lost her husband, and you know, her a little girl was named June. And we just talked. And in the restaurant, the people were giving really weird looks, like these people aren't supposed to be in a Holiday Inn restaurant. You know, right. it's like very. Um, it was like these are not these are non people you're eating with. You know, and uh, it was very. Uh, it felt very powerful just to do that, but it also felt like. Why I could not physically not do that. It was like one of those feelings of, of just being at that level. Like right now, I'm looking at you. I can see the stuff behind you. What if it was just stars in space? You know what I mean? It's like that we're here, and you asked, you would ask the question, "Why are we here?" You know, and and that kind of like was that. You know, could you 
when you think about it, can you walk by that homeless person uh, every day and not realize the gift it would be to 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 be able to help them somehow? Although it's not always that simple, of course. And yet it is, it is that simple. It's just a human touch. It's putting your hand on someone else's hand. It's having a kind glance. It's just seeing someone, just seeing them, even saying, I see you, hi. That makes a world of difference and that will change everything. And I think I think it was more than the money. Yeah, it was more than money or food. It was that. Yeah. Yeah, it's an it, it, it's a an inter interaction. It's a an exchange of energy, and someone needs that. Like I was saying, when someone is really down, they don't have the ability or the the, the capability to help someone else because they need help, and that exchange gives someone energy to be able to go on and then eventually help someone else out um i have to i i I have to wrap it up i know but there's so much to talk about barry and i was wondering there's so much to talk about first of all the fact that you're 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 delivering pies matt and i always talk about pastries well the pastry (laughs) is is the answer to world peace Uh, and i always say when you end up it doesn't matter what country you're in it could be at the united nations and you have all the world leaders there if someone walks into a hot room where there's arguments if someone walks in with a pastry box i don't care everyone knows what's in the box usually (laughs) well everyone has an inkling of what's in the box and everybody stops and gets happy and they want to see know, oh, is that eclairs is that donuts is pastries that? In there. <laughs> <laughs> so are you, those for me barry it's befitting that you're delivering world peace you're delivering oh, pastries go. and it's was, wonderful to be here yeah will you please come back with us and can oh, we continue certainly. the conversation and can you can you send us off with another song sure the song um it's called O to Other, and it's about... Uh, this is my favorite. Yeah. I think it's one... It started as a poem, and I, then I wrote it as a song, but it's really about how you begin where I end, and that's why I call you my friend. Without black, no white. Without day, no night. Without sad, no glad. Without good, no bad. Without time, no late Without love, no hate Without tears, no joy Without girls, no boys You begin where I end That's why I call you my friend We may be as different as the land and the sea But you belong with me Without where, no why Without clouds, no sky Without knot, no rope Without fear, no hope Without stay, no go Without fast, no slow Without green, no blue Without me, no you 
you begin where I end That's why I call you my friend We may be as different as the land and the sea But you belong with me We don't know where we're going to We just know where we've been don't believe in the differences Learn to make amends Without white, no black Without front, no back Without one, no two Without old, no new Without sun, no earth Without death, no birth Without stars, no space Without smile, no face You begin where I end That's why I call you my friend Maybe as different as the land and the sea But you belong with me Maybe as different as the land and the sea But you belong with me Thank you, Barry. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for this beautiful circle of friendship. And should anyone need any anything, please reach out to us. And we love you. We love you, Barry. Thank you so much. I love you guys. Any parting words before we say talk to you in a few days? Um, what's Barry's website again? forcefieldforgood.com forcefieldforgood.com sounds like a good place to be it is may the force field be with you (laughs) may the force field be with you everybody alright we'll talk to you in a few days everybody be well see you later